Holy shit, Team Edward and Team Jacob. This is Eric for Fanboy with an Opinion. Episode 8 on April 10th. Today I finished my overlook of the DC slash CW shows with The Flash. I will list my favorite Batman stories and then as usual tell you the titles I can't wait to read that are coming out this week. Let me start with uh, my overall review of The Flash. A little warning that there are spoilers ahead. Here's a brief description of the show. Flash is currently on its fifth season. The show tells the story about Barry Allen who gets caught in a storm where a bolt of lightning hits a particle accelerator which turns him into the Flash, the fastest man alive. He along with his team of nerds from Star Labs help protect Central City. What's a particle accelerator you ask? It doesn't fucking matter. After fighting with other speedsters in the first three seasons, the show shifted in dealing with baddies that had other powers. People complained that he just kept dealing with speedsters, and then they kind of changed changed the format a little bit of him just fighting other people with powers. In season five, that uh, other person with powers, a baddie with other powers, would be Cicada. Because they try so hard to connect all the seasons, their decisions at the end of season four became consequences that ended up creating Cicada. Also, Barry and his wife Iris are visited by their daughter, visited by their daughter Nora from the future. She helped Flash in the previous season and has now changed the timeline. Pesky kids from the future. Cicada hates all metas since he blames them for his niece being in a coma. He starts hunting them down with a knife that he is bonded to, which also nullifies any meta's powers, and he eventually becomes a serial killer. Nora comes from the past with the info info that Cicada is the reason why Flash will eventually disappear and leave Nora without a father. Time is running out as Team Flash finds a way tries to find a way to stop Cicada, all the while Barry and Iris learn more and bond with their daughter from the future. How many times can I say daughter from the future? We'll see. So, okay. If we were to split the CD, CW DC shows, they all have a specific format in that they deal with a specific kind of villain for that particular show. For instance, Arrow, he always seems to deal with People who can fight, martial arts, that sort of thing. Flash was always metas, and then he, he delved more into the multiverse. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, multiverse is just like all alternate universes, like parallel arts. 52 of them. Supergirl always dealt with aliens. And then when Black Panther, uh, Black Lightning came out, see how many times I can do that. Black Lightning came out, that was more about street crimes, but also metas. The problem I have with all these shows is that in the comics, metas aren't always born by accident. Especially in DC, they started to just be born with it. Um, not everybody. I know it depends. Like everyone has a different story. But with the Flash, it's irritating that the metas always come from one scientific. They always come from a scientific singularity that happens each season. So first season was a particle accelerator, like I mentioned before. It exploded, and all these people who were caught in the wave became metas. Not everybody, just specific people. And then it was like, okay, let's deal with that. And then season two, well, last season, season four, it was like, oh, dark matter. So dark matter, then everyone who got involved in dark matter became metas. It's fucking stupid. It's like, no, the... It doesn't expand. It's only these five people have powers. And then two seasons later, we're going to deal with those same five people over and over and over again. There's just no new characters born that way. It's like you're just stuck. And, you know, the shows, like most shows, where it's just villain of the week. Who's the new villain of the week? How many times can you say... Oh, this villain is is got his powers because, you know, a shit cloud rained on people, and all the people it rained on got powers. Like, how many times can you do that? Why? I mean, I just say, why can't they just be born as they are in the comics? 
And then the team aspect of the show is also annoying to me because, like I said, I mentioned this in Black Lightning. A lot of these shows, they're surrounded by a team of smarties or people who are, like, specifically good at something. And it's like when the main character was like, well, I don't know, you know, fossils. Hey, we got a guy on the team who's good at fossils. And then those people start to become, like, Swiss Army Knife men where they just could do anything. And then the, the main character's just scratching his ass, being like, I don't know. Oh, we got a guy who could do that. Whereas in the comics, Flash is way more smarter than he is in the, in the show. Again, he can't do everything, but he still, it just seems like he doesn't need a team of people. And then when you get a team of people, they then have to have their own storylines. And the difference between Flash and Black Lightning, for instance, Black Lightning's family... They were family. They were already a part of the show. Whereas Flash, it it doesn't come natural, their storylines. It's like a whole almost a whole season went by where not everyone had a storyline. And then they kept adding characters and then they had to have their own storylines. It just doesn't feel natural. It just doesn't feel like... It just felt like, hey, you know that person that was on season one? Well, they're popular now. So now they got to get their own storyline. So it's just... And then it takes away... I understand that you have a show, you have to fill in time. And that's what you're doing. You're filling in time with all these characters and their storylines. But sometimes the storylines get repetitive, or it's always like a romance. Um, one of the other characters, Caitlin, who turns into Killer Frost, she's always bad at picking men. It's like one guy dies, the other guy becomes a villain... The other guy is from Hogwarts, and he, like, he's a, um, just disappears, uh, you know, and, like, he's from Slytherin, and he's, like, doesn't, uh, I'm not, he's not crossing genres, he's just an actor who played someone from Harry Potter, and it's just, like, he just disappeared, so she's always picking men, and I'd like to see her find somebody, but nope, she's always bad at men, it's just so dumb. So, to go with the team members, Cisco, who delivers the funniest lines that usually deals with pop culture references, creates a cure for metas this season. So that became like a big deal, like, oh, I don't want my powers anymore, blah, blah, blah. Maybe we should give people the option, if they don't want their powers, then they could be given the cure. It's just such a cop-out, so whatever. Caitlin, as I mentioned previously, Killer, who's also Killer Frost, so she turned into Killer Frost, who was seen as a villain in the in the f- first part of the show, the first few seasons of the show. She said she did some dastardly things too, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, we forgive you. Come here," and now all of a sudden she started hating these people, and now she considers them friends, and she could she considers Caitlyn a friend. So they basically share a body, like two different personalities. And she and Killer Frost has powers when Caitlyn doesn't. She's just a doctor who looks like she's twenty seven because that's realistic. Uh, that was just seemed like the acceptance for her from being a bad guy to now, you know, a good guy or or part of the team. Just the acceptance seemed too easy. And then there's Harry Wells. Harry Wells, it's complicated to to describe to somebody who doesn't know the show. Basically, there's a Harry Wells in every Earth in the multiverse. And every Harry Wells is brilliant. Uh, But So every season, there's always a Harry Wells. And so on Earth 2, he was a brilliant scientist. On another Earth, he was a, a writer. And it doesn't matter. This season is Sherlock, or some French Sherlock, whatever the fuck you say his name. He is basically the the multiverse's greatest detective. Now take that, Batman. And he's okay. Like, he's meant to push the storyline along, and he's also meant to be somewhat of a comic relief because he's always butting heads with Cisco, and that's always fun to see. But he's got, like, this French accent, which is so fucking dumb. And again, he's just a character to push the story along a little bit. But he's not really my biggest problem, because, like I say, he's usually entertaining. The only saving grace within this team is Ralph, also known as 
the elongated man elongated man such a stupid name but i didn't make it up it was like made up in the 40s what do you expect uh he was introduced in the last season and he's again another comic relief there's a lot of comedy in the show which i think hurts it and helps it at the same time it's definitely way more comedic than the other dc uh cw shows and most of the time the comedy is not coming from the main character because Barry is such a straight arrow but Ralph is he had a great storyline he had a great uh, arc last season and last season spoiler alert it looked like he had died a lot of people were upset myself included and then he came back but now I feel like the season he just doesn't do anything he's not really utilized and lots of times they you know, they, they push this aspect that we're like, everyone's a family. And then the Thanksgiving episode comes and Ralph's not around. And it's never explained why he's not around. And it's like, he just started start telling them how much he, he really loved them. Because he felt like the Flash team, uh, Team Flash were his family. And then the next episode's like Thanksgiving. It's like, where's Fat Ralph? Nobody asks. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. It's just I hate when shows do that, where people just disappear. And then the next time he disappeared, they had an excuse for it. It was almost to say, yeah, we fucked up, you told us we fucked up, and now this is our excuse. He's off, you know, plunging his mom's clogged toilet. I don't know, it doesn't matter. The point is, tell me where he is. He's not utilized... uh, Cisco gets into another relationship, Ralph helps him with that, who gives a shit... So he's a good, solid character who's nothing like these comics, by the way. Nothing like the comics, which is fine. He had a good story arc. He went from being a douche. He became a nice guy. That was fine. But he's just not utilized enough. We're focusing more on these other assholes I don't care about. And whatever. And then there's Nora, the daughter from the future. Jesus Christ, is she frustrating. She never seems to grow up or learn her lessons. Ever. She comes there and she has a problem with... Uh, her mother, uh, what's her name? Because, Iris, because, oh, they have bad blood in the future. Get over it. And then she does get over it, and then it's like, well, I want to be a hero. Okay, here are the steps of being a hero. Oh, I'm too, you know, immature for that. Here's a side note, and I've been telling this to people. The actress who plays Nora, who's supposed to be Barry and Iris's daughter... And she's, they don't say how young she is in the show, but you're supposed to get the idea that she's young, like maybe in the early 20s, because she's very immature and very, like, doesn't listen and all this shit. The actress who plays her in real life is actually older than the people playing her parents in real life, which I think is hilarious. Well, she looks young, so I think that's what um, does it for her. But regardless, she's annoying, never learns her lesson, Really is a fucking... Causes more problems. And it's just like, oh... Eh. And now they... Um, said that she's been... Working with Thawne. Now Thawne... Also known as Reverse Flash... Is a villain from season one. And he's the whole reason why... Flash got his powers... Earlier than he was supposed to. Because Thawne is also from... Dun, 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 the future. There's a lot of future, a lot of multiverse... And so she's been getting advice from him, and he's in a cell. And so he hasn't been giving her bad advice, but he killed Flash's mother. So Flash still has a chip on his shoulder about Thawne. Um, so then they just, the family, the team just found out. We're two episodes until the end of the season. The team just found out Nora's been sort of keeping the secret from them. And that was a big backlash. There's going to be a backlash from that. Um, the bad guy, who's Cicada, again, you can hear me repeat this a lot, is nothing like he is in the comics. Uh, this guy, like I said, is a serial killer, and he's played by an actor, Chris Klein, who's from American Pie fame. Yeah, exactly. Who? And this is an actor who really hasn't been doing much, and they're just like, they threw him a bone playing Flash in The Flash. He plays Cicada very hammy with this dumb voice like this. It's like, did you try it for Batman? What the fuck? And Cicada has like a breathing problem and whatever. It's dumb. He's very hammy. But then, 
like an episode or two ago, you know, they kept trying to find a way to help him and his niece was in a coma that he felt was like a daughter to him. And then they finally came up with a good way to help him. And then, again, this is a big spoiler, they get attacked by another cicada. And they're just like, who's this cicada? We don't know who she is. Blah, blah, blah. Well, let me rephrase that. They don't know who he is. They kept referring to this other cicada as a he, where it was obviously not a he. It was a woman, and it was his niece from the future. And it's like, you're supposed to be brilliant scientists. How do you cannot tell that that's a woman? So it's the niece from the future who feels like her, uh, who came to save the uncle, and the uncle was like, no, they were going to help me with the cure, and they were going to help me help you. And she's like, no, you, you know, we're bad, and, and I love being a serial killer, and you're nothing like I remember. Stabby, stabby, stabby. And then she kills the uncle, and so now she becomes the villain of the season. Because it just they just started saying that they could work it out with uh, Cicada. And now it's flipped, the script has been flipped, because now it's the, the niece who's the villain. So there's a good thing and a bad thing about that. The good thing is, you're switching it up. The bad thing is, Supergirl already switched it up. Plus, you're too little too late with switching it up. You could have done this in the middle of the season. Why wait three or four episodes before the end of the season to do that to us? It just seems like a real, like... I don't know, cheap. And they're like, oh... There's this one scene... Where she, so she uses a thing called a time sphere. And they have a time sphere hidden in some warehouse that Cisco never told them. Oh, we kept all the, the scientific doodads in this warehouse. Like fucking The Conjuring or Friday the 13th the series. Like, oh, these are all the terrible things that if anyone broke in here, they'd be able to do all this crazy shit. But well, I didn't tell you. Oops. And then they, they find the time sphere in the forest that she used. And then they have the time sphere in the warehouse. And fucking Flash and fucking Nora are sitting there at the forest. In the one that the female cicada used. Where some of the team Flash are in the warehouse. And they're like, we want to show you something. And they use the one that's in the warehouse. And they make a mark on the one they have. And the one that's in the forest that she used automatically starts having this mark. Because it's the same goddamn time sphere, and how could you not figure that out on your own? Why did you have to do this, like, silly fucking um, test to show them, oh, look, it's the same time sphere. And even while it's being, the, the mark is coming out on its own, by itself, they're still like, duh, huh, huh? Dummy, it's from the future. I don't get the show. I know it's supposed to be for us, but it just, you're losing something in translation. And you're making these characters dumber than they should be. So this, the change is too little too late. There's supposed to be an episode coming up. The next episode, I think the next episode coming up, called Godspeed. Now, I'm very... If you follow uh, Facebook, uh, Gamerish on Facebook, I'm very nervous about this. You'll know that I'm nervous about this. Uh, because Godspeed is a character that was created in the comic books who's only been introduced the past few years ago. And he's supposed to be a friend of Barry's. He has this really... He has a backstory, and he has his own storyline, and it builds up. And you can't tell his whole story in one episode... So either it's going to be one episode and it's going to be shit, or it's going to be a continuation to next season. I was very upset about Cicada because in the comic book he's this leader of a cult who's pretty much immortal and he follows, he idolizes the Flash to the point where him and his cult, uh, people in his cult, murder the people that Flash has saved. It's a great story, and they just used the name and made up their own crappy thing. And I'm afraid they're going to do the same thing with Godspeed. Godspeed is a friend of Barry's. Uh, There's 
something that happens that uh, a speed force thing that gives people the power of speed. He Flash realizes that he needs people to train. You know, he's by, very ironically in the comic. He's pretty much by himself, and he's like, "I need a team of, of speedsters that's around me." It's been in these schmucks that he's got in the TV show. So he trains his friend to to use the speed force. All the while, somebody named Good, uh, Godspeed is murdering the other people who got the speed force and stealing their speed force, in turn becoming faster than the Flash. Well, it turns out it's his friend. And he got so fast that he was able to be in two places at once. He defeats Godspeed, yada, yada, whatever. There's a lot of... There's a great mystery to it. And then the reveal I thought was pretty good. Don't ruin this for one episode. This is going to be bad. I'm really worried this is going to be bad. So... Also, another thing was, I just found out that uh, the ratings don't have... The ratings did pretty well in the first season, and ever since the first season, the ratings have just gone down, 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 down. Like, they're bad. They're pretty bad. Like, this show barely breaks 2 million viewers an episode. So, I don't really think this show is going to last another three years, especially since Arrow's leaving. You know what she do is they should just make up new shows that are contained within the Arrowverse and then the older shows they just put out the pasture and then make the new shows and then when those shows get too old, put those out of pasture and get Yeah, it's a great thing. Uh this is obviously my least favorite show, DCCW show, as it is dopey. Uh it's a dopey show. When Nora finds out, you know, when they find out that Nora has been working with, with Thawne, the reverse Flash, the first fucking thing, first fucking thing, the whole season, she has been um, with Barry and Iris, and they've been bonding, bonding like crazy, they've been bonding, like, this is their daughter, they love their daughter, blah, 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 first thing Barry does is he locks her up, what the fuck? Like, she obviously doesn't mean any harm. She's misguided, immature, and dumb. And you lock up your own fucking daughter. Because Barry, in the show, is such a Boy Scout. Boy Scout. When he, only when he wants to be. be. Because, like, he... had They had the cure, and he was like, Oh, I'm gonna give the cure to this guy. Without, you know, getting consent. Because they were like, we need consent... Before we give something to you. No, no, no. I'm just going to give it a consent. Like he's a fucking frat boy in the 80s. Putting fucking shit in women's drinks. No, 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 no. I'm just going to give somebody the cure. Without asking them. It's like, hold on, bro. Only when he wants to be a fucking Boy Scout. And then when he is a Boy Scout, he makes Superman look like a douchebag. That's how fucking like by the book he is sometimes. I'm going to put my daughter in jail. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, he's such a douche. I'm sure that's only going to be, like, one episode. And they're just going to be like, oh, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. The problem is I find myself not wanting to watch his show. Despite always watching it first. Like, when I record these, because uh, I record the shows. When I record these shows, The Flash is always the first one I watch. Because I don't, if I don't watch him, I feel like I'm going to want to know what's going to happen. And then I don't know what happens, and then I'll drive myself crazy, and I'll just binge on the flash, and I'll be like, why did I do that? I should just not stop watching it, so I don't want to get into that. I'm, it's just, it's, it's, it's a dopey show. Don't get me wrong, it's better than Arrow. Um, I'm sure the season finale will once again change the status quo for the next season, because that's what they always do. The season finale is like, oh, and... This crazy shit's happening. Wait till next season when you get to see the consequences of that. One of the seasons, the Flashpoint. Flashpoint's the whole thing I'm not going to get into. But the point is is that they were building up Flashpoint. And everyone was like... It's when Barry changes the time stream. Changes the present time. And it's like, oh, Flashpoint. Come on, uh, fanboys. Get your, you know, get your fanboy hard-ons. And then it happens, and Flashpoint only lasts, like, three episodes. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, it's supposed to have last-longing effects. No, it didn't. So, we'll see. 
And especially since a few of the actors might be leaving the show. This is my problem. You got a steady gig, right? No one knows who you who nobody knows who you are outside of the Arrowverse and these shows. Don't leave because you're never you're gonna want to come back. I mean, no one want, is gonna want you to come back. Don't leave. It's uh, rigorous or it's like tedious or it's the like, same thing. Well, how do you think we feel having to watch this shit? Don't leave because you're not gonna get a job as studied as this. Uh, I think Cisco might leave and Sherlock, whoever you say his fucking name, leaves and and it's just like you're gonna miss some of that some of the things that they bring but then they'll either replace it with somebody else or maybe they'll let other characters shine like Ralph yeah that's my review meh Show, show's dopey show's dopey has got a lot of problems and they're just they change things just to move the story along and people are too dumb on that show People are too dumb on that show. That's that's the takeaway you should you should have with that. So, someone once asked me, Eric, what's your favorite Batman stories? And my response was, who the hell are you and what are you doing in my house? But in celebration of 80 years of Batman, I thought I would answer that question. So here are a few of my favorite stories of an old man who likes to hang out with kids dressed in tights. Um, I will say that these stories that I'm going to pick are strictly Batman stories. They're in Batman books. They're about Batman. I'm not going to pick something that he's in another book or it's going to be about somebody else. It's about Batman. And none of these are in particular order. So, first you have Venom, which I've, ta- I've talked about before. It's in the Legends of the Dark Knight series. It's called Batman Venom. And it's about, you know, he goes to rescue a girl who's kidnapped. She's about to drown. He's got to move this big boulder. He can't move it because he's not strong enough. She dies. He goes to the father of the daughter, who consequently is making this drug that's supposed to be like, you know, 20 times better than steroids, quicker than steroids. So Batman starts to take it, and he pretty much becomes a drug addict, where this guy is, is become his drug, uh, his drug pusher. And so he ends up, you know, all, um, he's, he gets crazy, and then roid rage to the extreme, and he decides, I'm going to kick it. So he goes and traps himself in the Batcave, tells Alfred, don't, don't open this Batcave, Batcave no matter what I say. And it's just supposed to be how strong of a will he is, has, and how he really could just put his mind, I'll do anything. And it's also a precursor to Bane, uh, a villain who ends up breaking Batman's back. Uh, so Venom, again, is a drug that's supposed to be better than steroids, so then Bane ends up taking the Venom and just has it shoot right in his fucking brain so it works faster. Anyway, precursor to Bane. Great story. Beautifully drawn. Next. Batman Year One. I mean, this is a, this is a, a, a story that anyone who's getting into Batman should read. It tells a story about uh, his first year as Batman. Uh, he comes back from training. He's an adult. He decides that he wants to fight crime in Gotham. Uh, his first outing just dressed in like sweatpants and a sweatshirt and a a little knit cap does not go well it's one of my favorite scenes and that's when he realizes that he has to do something to evoke fear in the criminals rather than just running around and be like eh, take that crime uh, so it's also kind of introduces Catwoman. There's no like major villains in this year one. It's mostly about how corrupt Gotham was, like all the way to the mayor. And it also tells the story of Jim Gordon, who only is like a lieutenant, I think. And you know, you'll see the relevance, uh, like comparisons to the show Gotham, which is shit, and. But it's really, this is where they took it from. This also, this is where they took the first Batman movie from. 
some elements of. And this is great scene where he's trapped in this abandoned building and he's surrounded by cops. And, you know, the cops at this point want him dead. And he uses this sonar thing to bring bats to use as like a diversion, which is used in the Batman Begins. All right. Uh, oh, and this is also done by uh, Frank Miller, who was a great writer and artist in the 80s. And then he quit drinking. So the next story is Hush. Oh, Hush is really good. Hush is was done in the early 2000s. And we're introduced to this childhood friend of Bruce that we never knew existed. Whose parents also died. And he looked up to Bruce's father and he became a doctor. So it was almost like, what would Bruce's life be like if Bruce didn't become Batman? Uh, at the same time, wink, wink, there's a new villain on the scene. His name is Hush. And he wears, like, uh, bandages around his head. And he shoots guns. The whole point is that Batman gets bombarded by his villains. And it seems like most of this is orchestrated by Hush. And so, obviously, Batman has a connection to Hush, and it's really a mystery of who is Hush, who is doing this to him, why are they doing it to him, and it's got some surprise elements to it, not just who Hush is, but who's really pulling the strings, and it's beautifully drawn by Jim Lee, and it really is one of his best stories. And then the last one is, of course, Dark Knight Returns. I just mentioned ex-alcoholic Frank Miller, who... uh also does Dark Knight Returns. This is like the quintessential. I really believe that Year One and Dark Knight Returns are like the bookends of the best uh, Batman stories. So, if you've seen, if you're, I'm sure you've heard of this, it's been a cartoon. Cartoon was a pretty decent adaptation. It's years, in, like a bunch of years in the future. Batman's retired, he's old. Um, the city is rampant with crime. He decides to come back, and of course, the whole point is he's older, and he's a little bit rough around the edges, and he's not doesn't have the experience anymore. So, in the beginning of the story, he just is ass kicked, and then he comes back, and he really shows the bad guys, you know, who Batman is, and don't fuck with me, and and he uses he decides to use more violence than he did. In his previous career. Where like Batman's always been known to like beat the crap out of people. But he really like fucks people up. And I think that was supposed to be. The story is basically supposed to be how Batman needs to change with the times. And just in general Batman. Because nowadays we see Batman as somebody who's pretty violent. If you play the video games or you watch the movies. Uh, especially the new DCEU movies. He's much more violent. And you know, you got to remember, this wasn't what Batman was like in 1986 when Dark Knight Returns came out. So he was much more laid back. And then this was Frank Miller's basically love letter for Batman and basically saying he needs to evolve. And then he did because of that, that story. There's also... Where we get Superman versus Batman because he ends up fighting Batman. Because Frank Miller, you could tell Frank Miller in the story does not like Superman. And Superman really is like a symbol of conformity and a symbol of uh, government, you know, and not in a good way. And so Batman really beats the shit out of him. Because super in the story, Superman is basically a tool for Ronald Reagan. Not the actor, the president. And, you know, it's like I said, like Frank Miller really doesn't like Superman. You could tell. Uh, so it's a great story. It's an amazing story. It's, again, artwork is amazing. The only problem is there are sequels, and I feel like the sequels really take away from the original. Because by the time he did the sequels, he was already whacked out of his mind, not drinking. It's like in the second one, Batman slimmed down. What the hell the point is that? The whole point of Batman in this book being wider and heavier is because he's old. And then in the sequel, he's even older. I don't know. 
Don't get me started. All right, so those were my four favorite Batman stories. Yeah, only four. I can pick as many as I want. I can do what I want as my right as an American. Now, let me explain. I don't have Killing Joke on here. A lot of people will put Killing Joke on their favorite stories, which I understand because he's a beautifully drawn, I say this a lot, beautifully drawn book. However, and it's Alan Moore, who's one of my favorite uh, writers, it's really more about Joker and his relationship with Batman. And I also find that the story is a little bit too graphic and fucked up. And I recently read that, heard that Alan Moore is even kind of backtracked and said that it really wasn't that great of a story. But, I mean, it's good. It's just, I just don't feel like it's really a Batman story. Now, I wanted to mention some of my favorite Batman moments. So these are moments that Batman did that aren't in his own book. Quickly, JLA. Uh, So the Justice League had a lot of scrub people in their team. And they hadn't had the team with the big powerful players all assembled together in a really long time. So in the early 90s, mid 90s, They decided to do Justice League with all the big guys. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, everybody. Uh, Stinky, itchy, sneezy. So they all got together. And uh, they... There's this this group called the HyperClan. The HyperClan comes from space. And they're like, we love Earth. And we want to be one with Earth. And we're awesome. And we're great. We look like gods. uh, Better than those other guys in the Justice League. Who also look like gods. And so the Hyperclan's doing all this great stuff. But in the meanwhile, they're attacking the JLA. And they don't know, the JLA doesn't know who the Hyperclan is. They shoot Batman, his Batwing down. He, it explodes. They, everyone thinks he's dead. Uh, they capture the rest of the JLA and they torture them. They're torturing Superman with a green kryptonite. And Martian Manhunter just like leaves. He's like, I'm out. And... They're at the main base, and like someone goes missing, one of the hyperclan goes missing, and they think it's Batman. So three of them, these big heavy hitters, and they all come with different powers, and they all look different, and they're all like, some of them are huge. They go looking for Batman. While looking for Batman, they find their missing man. Their missing man has a sign on them that says, I know your secret. They find uh, Batman. Batman is making a circle with some sort of liquid. He says to them, I know who you really are. Uh, I it confirmed it once you wouldn't look for my body when the back wing crashed. And then he's like, you're Martians. And for those who don't know, Martians' one weakness is fire. So they're just like, you're full of it. Like, we're not Martians. What are you talking about? And one of them was like, do you guys smell something? And he, he's like, you want to fight? We'll fight fair. He lights a match, puts it down in the liquid, and it's gasoline, and creates a ring of fire around, surrounding him. Surrounding all of them, actually. And then he says, let's fight. And he beats the shit out of them. And then the, the leader of the HyperClan is torturing Superman, and he says at one point, you know, Batman's just a man. And then Superman smirks. Because Batman's not just a man. And that's why I love this scene. Because he basically shows that he will find your weakness. Exploit your weakness. And beat the shit out of you no matter who you are. No matter what kind of powers you are. uh, Have. And all that jazz. So the second moment is. Again in. There's a Justice League book. From the 80's. That Batman was the leader. And there was a bunch of other heroes. That were like more like B-list, C-list heroes. And one of them was uh, Guy Gardner. Uh, Guy Gardner is a Green Lantern. Um, he is an asshole. He's always been one of my least favorite characters. Because he's one of those characters where he's full of himself. Bravado. Meathead. And he's always talking about how great he is. And... And uh, so he keeps getting butting heads with Batman. Batman's like, I'm not having time with you. And you're like, I'm not doing this with you. And then finally, 
he pushes Guy Garner to the point where Guy Garner's like, all right, that's it. You know, we're going to have a fist fight. Because I'm a dude. And Batman's like, I don't have time for this right now. And like, no, this is in front of the rest of the team. He's like, no, no. We're doing this right now. So Guy is about to punch. Batman hits him first. He hits him with one punch and it knocks Guy Gardner out. This was a more funnier version of the Justice League. It was a lot more comedy. And so everyone's just like shocked that it took one punch to knock him out. And this one character, Blue Beetle, just can't stop laughing. One punch, one punch. And again, I just think it shows how much of a badass Batman is. And he don't take shit from nobody. And here's another one. This is the third one. This is from... Justice League, New Frontier. i got to talk about this one time. This is a book. It's basically a love letter to the older characters. In any event, they focus a lot on Martian Manhunter. There's another Martian thing. Batman. Martian Manhunter goes to a thing where Batman's fighting people. He helps Batman. Yeah, yeah. But in the wild, there's fire. And Martian Manhunter reacts to it. And Batman sees it. It's not really said that Batman sees it or that he even understands what he saw. But at the end of that night, he's like, Batman finds Martian Manhunter under his human guise. And he says, like, you know, you're okay. Like, I could, I could trust you at some point, you know, because I could see that you're a good, a good person. And then he says, and this is a quote, he says that to Martian Manhunter, he says, one other thing, I'm not sure what you are or where you come from, but my instincts tell me you are to be trusted. Make no mistake, I have a $70,000 silver of a radioactive meteor to stop the one from Metropolis. All I need for you is a penny for a book of matches. I mean, it takes place in the 50s, so a book of matches just costs a penny. But the point is, is that Batman's badass. He knew, he knew what it took to stop Martian Manhunter. Because he's, he's smart. He puts the two things together and he understands. Um, now, here are some honorable mentions for some stories of Batman that people should definitely read. And for one reason or another, it wasn't on my list. Like, one is called The Long Halloween. It's a mystery uh, there's a serial killer in uh, Gotham, and each issue takes place during a holiday throughout the whole year. So, you know, it starts off with New Year's Eve, and then 12 issues, the 12th issue ends in Christmas. I've not personally read this, but I've wanted to for years. And once they upload that shit on the DC Universe app, which they haven't, I am going to read it. The second one is JLA Tower of Babel. Um... You might have seen this. It was on... They made this into a cartoon movie called JLA Doom. Basically, Batman used contingency plans. He set up contingency plans for all the other members of the JLA in case they got out of hand. So each one, he figured out their weaknesses, some of them more obvious than others, and he set up a plan. Rachel Ghoul steals those plans and uses them against the JLA. And so it's like creates this whole trust issue with the JLA and Batman. So it's a good, pretty good story. Death in the Family. This is when one of his Robins died, murdered by the Joker. I didn't include this because, again, this was more about Robin, his second Robin, Jason Todd, um, who's a dope. They actually, a lot of people didn't like Jason Todd, it was the second Robin. And so DC did this thing where they put out this 1-800 number. Um, and you had to... It was a 1-900 number, whatever. And you had to vote on whether they should kill off Jason Todd or keep him alive. And they kill one, but they barely, like by a small margin. And so, you know, the story basically does say how Batman deals with death. Because he never really dealt with death other than his parents. Uh, great art too. It's just I just felt like it was more of a Robin story. How much of a dope he is. Next one is Nightfall. I mentioned Bane. Bane comes out on the scene in Gotham. 
he breaks everyone out of Arkham. Every single criminal. So now, Gotham is just flooded with criminals. Joker, Two-Face, Ass Hands, Booker Face. I don't Every single one of them just comes. And now he's got to deal with all this crime. This, and it wears him down. Completely wears him down. He's not sleeping, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when Batman, uh, Bane, breaks into the cave and breaks the bat. I didn't include this because this storyline covers a bunch of issues, like different comics, different titles, a lot of issues. You should definitely get this in a trade, though. It's like three, tra- two trades. I think it was two trades. And then and the other one is the same reason why I didn't include this in No Man's Land. This happened in the late 90s. There's an earthquake in Gotham, a real earthquake, and it totally cuts off Gotham from the rest of the world. And the government decides that there's just too much destruction and it's pretty much, pretty much a lost cause. And so the government consider, considers Gotham a no-man's land. And they pull out. They use this in uh, the last, the third Batman Rises. Dark Knight Rises. So it becomes No Man's Land. But what I found interesting about this storyline is that Gotham starts to get broken up into gangs. Like, uh, sections are ruled by certain gangs, certain groups. So there's like, the park is taken over by Poison Ivy. There's a part taken over by the, the police department. Obviously there's a part taken by Batman. And so there were little stories within this big story. And that's what made it very interesting. But again, it takes place like... it. I mean, that lasted an entire year. That storyline lasted an entire year. Because they said that when the earthquake was going to happen, like it was really going to make an uh, impact in all the books. And it really did. And so that I think that trade is like three parts. Because it went on for a long time. And like four or five... And like every Batman title. Batgirl and... Patch Mo and everyone. So, it's a lot. And then, well, two more. And then Flashpoint, I briefly mentioned before, it's when the Flash goes back in time and stops his wife, his wife, his mom from being murdered, which then causes problems in the, in the present. So, he changes Batman's timeline. Instead of Bruce, uh, instead of his, Bruce's parents getting murdered, his parents survive, but Bruce gets murdered. So his parents have to watch Bruce get murdered, which turns the father, Thomas, into Batman. And he's a much more brutal Batman than Bruce is because he actually uses a gun at some point. And it's his, his individual, his miniseries. Because the Flashpoint was a big thing, and then everyone had all these miniseries. His miniseries was really good. I did not include this in my favorite stories because it's not actually Bruce Wayne, it's his father. But it is fucked up because he, you know, fights with the Joker. And it's just the end is really sad. Uh, It's not the Joker that we're used to. It's not the same Joker. Somebody else. And it's really sad and really fucked up. And yeah, it was good though. And then the last one is called Speeding Bullets. Uh, Speeding Bullets was an Elseworld book. Elseworld was a universe where... It was like, what if stories. This is basically, what if Superman, his rocket, crashed into Gotham and not Smallville. And I think the Waynes, I think they lost Bruce, like, as a baby. And he dies as a baby. And then they find the rocket and they adopt baby Clark. Of course, they call him Bruce Wayne. His powers don't develop until after he sees the Wayans get shot, convenient. And he becomes the Batman, but he becomes a Batman with Superman powers. So he becomes very brutal, and it's a great story, beautifully drawn. I think it was the same artist who did Venom, uh, Batman Venom. And the problem with the Elseworld books is like lots of times they would just fall back into the typical status quo that you were used to. So that's kind of what happens at the end of this, but it's still it's very entertaining. Lex Luthor becomes a Joker. It's cool. Alright.
So these are now the titles I can't wait to read coming out this week. Uh, Symbiont, Symbiont, Symbiont Spider-Man. So back in the 80s, Spider-Man donned a black costume that ended up being an alien symbiont, which would be eventually become Venom. This is a new story by legendary Spider-Man writer Peter David that takes place between when he got the costume and when he took it off because it was turning him into a psycho. So, it's very brief when he has the costume. So this is an interesting idea of showing you what it was like when he had the costume. So I'm interested in it. It's drawn by Greg Land, who I used to like as a, good, as a comic artist. I'm not really fond of him much anymore, but... It's because he traces. He's a tracer. He basically steals other people's... And he just traces... The next book is called Prodigy, number five. This is an interesting book about the smartest man in the world, tasked to solve some of Earth's toughest issues. The first storyline, he dealt with a clandestine takeover involving a parallel universe. This is coming from the mind of Mark Miller. He's, he's done a lot of stuff. He created Kick-Ass. He did a lot of stuff. Uh, I plan on doing a retrospective on his work in the next episode as I have a lot to say about his his stuff alright that will do it for another episode don't forget if you have any questions or comments you can contact me at the Gamerish email address Gamerish537 at gmail.com also join the Gamerish group on Facebook find me on Twitter and Instagram at fanboy with an opinion until next time I've been a fanboy And this has been my opinion.